what's up, y'all? Episode 75. We had a retired Air Force Colonel, Carla Bass. Yup, she's a woman. Rare in that world to have a woman get up that high on the episode. This one was all about writing. Powerful writing, powerful writing. How that gets you to make more cheddar. Um, we get into her stuff in the second episode. Make sure you check that out on Wednesday, uh, episode 76. But for this episode, number 75, it was the shit show episode. Yes, baby. Um, we work the shit show, Boeing the shit show, and uh, Facebook, my favorite shit show of all. Yo, um, Boeing, I. I can't believe how much these guys have withheld. Carla shows us how that's not the right move, withholding all that information. Uh, We get into some of that and how their stock has been plummeting. We then get into WeWork. The real issue here is SoftBank. WeWork's a shit show. We get that. Uh, But SoftBank is the one that's really screwed. Those guys have a $100 billion vision fund that is totally at risk here with Uber, Slack, and WeWork shit in the bed. Um, so we get, we get into some of that. And finally, Facebook. Facebook's trying to do to the banking industry what they did to the newspaper industry. Yep. With their Libra, Libra cryptocurrency, they trying to take over banks and credit cards so that everyone can kind of just use cryptocurrency on their website to do their business. Um, Facebook, stop being a douchebag. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. Peace out. One of One of the major failures that I had lately, a huge lesson learned, um, was going into an interview unprepared. Mm. So I had gone up to New York City and did this fabulous in-station radio interview with Q104. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, was that an exciting adventure. And immediately thereafter, there was a, a telephone radio with, of all things, Fox News. I mean, we're talking... Meaning, meaning someone called into the radio station? No, Fox News asked to, to interview me. Oh. Uh, yeah, O is right. Radio or television? Radio. Okay. Well, still, it's Fox. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the lesson learned, though, is I had been up for close to 36 hours oh. by time I called and had the interview with Fox. And the lesson learned is I didn't have cheat sheets handy. Oh. And, and so, you know, I was, I was absolutely exhausted and, and trying trying so hard to dig into the database, the fuzzy brain that was remaining after all of this. And it, it I guess it came off okay. They haven't aired it yet. Um, they said they're going to, but news keeps getting in the way. Yeah, I wonder what news uh, is getting in the, the way. But the lesson I took away from that is when you're going into a truly important interview, go in with sufficient sleep and go in with some notes. Um, right, right. So, Just you know, as backups, right? Exactly. I always exactly. do that myself. I and mean, you know what's funny? When I have the notes, mm-hmm. I usually don't use them. Yep. Isn't that crazy? It, it is, but you've got them as a safety net. They're really, so. That's what they're there for. Is to, it's like a... a, 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 like a like a support. It's yep. just it's just there to carry you. You you probably won't use them, but just knowing that the notes are there yep. changes the whole game. And the other moral is you are never too old to learn. Okay? So I love the bit about recognize and embrace your failures, learn from them and improve. 
So you're saying you can't. So the the whole saying of you can't teach an old dog new tricks oh, is I'm, bullshit. I'm living proof that you can. <laughs> I mean, I could have died so happily without a social media anything, without knowing what SAOs right. are or or metadata right. or how to work the back end of a website. I mean, I could have died so happily without that, but but now I can do it. Yes, okay? that's right. Necessity is the mother of invention. Is also very true. Amen. Amen. That is so true. Uh, uh, cameras recording too, John. Yep, everything's we, we're recording. Ready. Uh, cool. Well, guys, you were just, if if we're if that is the voice of Carla Bass, Carla D Bass. That's your what's your middle initial stand for? D E E D. Yep. Perfect. I got it just about right. Um, thank you for coming on the show, business news and other shit, Carla. Thank you for the opportunity to to speak with your uh, your listening audience. Hello. <laughs> I can't believe that a retired Air Force colonel, which listeners Carla is, 30 years and running in some ways, okay, uh, that's what Carla is, agreed to come on a show called Business News and Other Shit. That means, right, just you agreeing to come on the show, right, it just means right there that you are, I would say, an open soul. Yes. Is that true? Open, unconventional, uh, yes. Were you always that way? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. So even like as a little girl with your family? Always, always, always. Really? Mm-hmm. What, uh, what, did, they have a, did your parents or your friends have a nickname for you as a kid? Not that I remember. Were you known to be that way? You know, I, I, I don't know. My, I, you know, I guess I attribute a lot of this stuff to, to my mom, who is an amazing woman in her own right. Mm. Uh, from as far back as I can remember, she, she, I mean, drummed into us. There's no such word as can't, like a mm. drumbeat demanding to be heard. There's no such word as can't. Wow. Um, follow your dreams, although I, I amend that myself. Instead of follow your dreams, I tell people pursue them with a passion. Because mm. follow seemed a bit passive. Yes, it does. Um, it's active, follow, but it's like, it's, it's, it's not as powerful. There, there's no impetus. I say pursue. I mean, d- d- time with is passion. fleeting. With passion. Go, go grab those suckers. Mm. Anyway, so, yeah. That's wonderful. Um, and you're here in Chicago teaching a workshop. Mm-hmm. Is there a name for the workshop? Yeah, it's called Powerful Writing for Professionals. Boom. Um, it's based on my book, Right to Influence. Right. Um, and, the, and I love teaching these workshops. They range in length from one hour to two full days. Mm. So the client that I come to Chicago, I also go to New York City for them. Mm. This is the two-day workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's amazing is the, the students, I hesitate to call them students, these are young professionals, uh, experts in their own fields, but who haven't, who haven't learned the nuances of how to tell a powerful message, how, mm. to, how to communicate with the client's precisely succinctly and making every word count mm. and that's that's what i bring to them mm. um so they're they're young they're anxious they're smart and they're eager to learn so that's a perfect combination are you still working for the government i am i'm a i'm a contracted employee for okay. for a federal agency so okay. i you know i still work every day um i'm here on on personal vacation time to to work the right to influence and to teach clients do, do you uh, still have the nuclear codes <laughs> no, I gave them up. You gave them up? They probably <laughs> changed them, right, when the president oh, yeah. changes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. No, no, no nuclear codes. Sorry. <laughs> and, and no, I can't tell you if there really were aliens at Area 51. That's, that's still a secret. Can't tell Okay, you. so you know, but it's confidential. I, I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Fiction or non, you guys have to figure that out. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, here's the thing. I can't tell if you're really 
telling the truth or not. Like you could be telling the truth, but you may may be joking, and that's what we're sitting with right now. Because I yeah. mean, a, as an Air Force Colonel, mm-hmm. that's nothing to sneeze at, Carla. No, and you know I I am I'm I'm six, sixty four, so I don't mind owning up to that. But mm. that means I was one of the few ladies in my generation to actually make that rank. Few? So, I was going to say, there was more than you? There were only a handful. So for my entire 30 years active duty, you know, I was totally accustomed to be the only woman in a conference of 400 men. Wow. Uh, that, was, that was normal. Um, and I approached this not as a woman Air Force officer. I approached my entire career as an Air Force officer mm. who happened to be a woman. Mm. And, and that made all the difference. So mm. you go in with the, the proper mindset and, and you, just, you just be a professional. Damn. I but I, I chose this, you know, going back to curiosity and what I can say and can't say in Area 51 and all that. Um, when I was in seventh grade, seventh grade is when I decided not only Air Force, but Air Force intelligence. Seventh grade. Okay, so this is different than. So wait, are you saying that fighter jets and and you know uh, uh, dog fighting and all that stuff mm-hmm. was not your training? Nope, I was Air okay. Force intelligence. Air so, Force intelligence yeah, for thirty years. That's what I did. I mean, I, this is a dumb question, Carla. Forgive me, but mm-hmm. but I know the word intelligence to mean uh, one whose intellect, one who has, for example intellect in a certain field like medical you know you're intelligent in the medical field you're intelli- you're an intelligent person mm-hmm. but when i hear you say like air force inte- what was the word you used intelligence intelligence mm-hmm. it means something different than the way i'm used to hearing it correct it does so when you say you did air for- intelligence for the that, air force that was my career my and my career was trying to determine you know you look it up nsa cia all of those nsa those CIA. IA agencies uh-huh. uh we're all out there trying to determine what the adversaries can do, how they might harm us. The what enemies. Our, what our vulnerabilities are and to pre- protect the nation. So intelligence is, is gathering information about adversaries or even ourselves where we're vulnerable. No, no, we don't gather information on ourselves. It's, we don't. It's, it's focusing on the adversaries. Focusing on the adversaries, okay. Mm-hmm. And w- but when you said something about us being vulnerable, what did you mean by that? Um, did you say? Did you say? Maybe I misheard yeah, you. No, no, no. That that's what I said. Is uh, so I'll, I'll take that off the table because we we don't we don't do that for ourselves. It's just we try to figure out. Well, it's like like uh, any any warfare. You know where your strengths are. You know where your weaknesses are. You try to figure out how the bad guy is going to attack you. Mm. If you were the bad guy, where would you attack you? Exactly. And then and try to strengthen those defenses. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you did that. You would collect that type of information. Mm-hmm. Wow. And how I it's a little James Bondy, am I? I mean, right? No, no, no. In this no, case, it'd be no, no. it'd be uh, Jen Bondy. Jen Bondy, no, no. <laughs> Carla Bondy. You know what was fascinating about it is it's like any business. There's budgeting, there's uh, executive office officering, there's administrative. There are all sorts of different facets mm. to it, which is what made it so so interesting. Mm. It's but almost like it's almost like a business. It, well, it is. That's it how is. you got to think about it. And how I came into this thing, seventh grade, is my father. This is during Vietnam War. My father was also Air Force. He was also an Air Force Colonel in intelligence for the wow. last half of his career, and he was in targeting. How many years? He was in for 30 also. We're talking 60 years of the Basses. Yep. Right, it was his last name, Bass? Yep. I okay. didn't change it. 60 years of the Basses um, um, uh, supporting our country through military, uh, through Air Force intelligence. Yep. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. 
Anyway, so so during uh, during the Vietnam War, we were in Annandale, which is right outside D.C. He was in the Pentagon doing targeting intelligence, and and my mother, God bless her soul, she would wag her finger so often and say, "Carla, don't ask your father any questions about what he does because he can't tell you." <laughs> And then they installed a security. Oh, and by the way, Carla, mm-hmm. um, um, this is your mom speaking, of yes. course. Um, don't ever say can't. Oh, exactly. <laughs> don't say can't and don't ask your father questions. <laughs> then they installed a secure telephone in our family room, and that just drove my curiosity off the scale. So wait, I, wait, is this like a Batman phone, like the yeah, red thing was, with no buttons on yeah, it? Yeah, it was red. And the, the, really? The, was it really? Yeah, it was a red Holy phone. Holy shit, this is for real, John Dolder. Yeah, yeah. And so they said. We're in the presence of Batwoman. Oh, no, not exactly. <laughs> Directly to the Pentagon, perhaps. Yeah, probably. But I would assume if he's in intelligence, he's probably talking to people like the, the Secretary of Defense or people who work for him or the director of the intelligence agency, the NSA. Uh, no, he was in targeting intelligence. So, oh, I don't know. Right, okay, so this, this is Vietnam War and trying to determine where the bad guys are and what the most appropriate way to, to target them is. So that was, that was his function. Mm. And the, the moral was, if the phone rings, don't touch it. Well, mm. obviously. <laughs> um, <but laughs> Can you imagine Carla picking it up? Hello? Oh, I'd, have, I'd have been dead. But that's when I decided I'll go find out for myself. So seventh ah. grade, based on that backstory, is where I decided Air Force Intelligence. And I stuck with it. Wow, that's amazing. What does targeting mean? Targeting means trying to determine where exactly where the bad guys are. You, you know, you've seen uh, you've seen um, video clips on TV where you've got the crosshairs on yes. the building. Okay, that's targeting. Okay, but he's doing it metaphorically. Well, he he was trying to determine where the bad guys are located, like grid coordinates and all back in those days. Whoa, so actual and, grid coordinates. Okay. Yeah, and then pass that to the people who were responsible for figuring out which weapon was most appropriate to be able to uh, to hit the bad guys. Am I the only one finding this absolutely fascinating and amazing? This is astounding. Oh, you okay, are you joking, John? No. This is no. pretty amazing, right? Yeah, this is... Wow. Yeah. So that was 19... And this is like normal life for you. Yeah, that was wow. like 1960s targeting intelligence, Vietnam. And you were just a little girl. I was in grade school. Wow. Seventh grade, sixth grade. Amazing. All right, I could talk to you. I'm supposed to be talking about business. having fun with business <laughs> news, and I could just go right into this. We're going to talk more to you about that stuff. Okay. But one last thing. Mm-hmm. How the heck are you? With I thought you would come here talking about leadership and uh, team building in the, in, the, in, the, in the Air Force. And, but no, you're here talking about writing? How, do you really believe in your heart of hearts, Carla Bass, I do, I do. that writing is I, really I, miraculous? I do, I do. And you really can, do. Can I tell you the, the backstory and how I came to that conclusion? The short version, and we'll get the long version in the second half. Okay. If that's possible. Um, leadership is a fun, oh no, sorry, powerful writing. Powerful writing is a fundamental leadership skill. Okay. It's one that people, what, what's your idea of a great boss? Um, uh, cares for the people. Mm-hmm. Compassionate. Um, com- compassionate. Account holds integrity. accountability. Nobody, nobody ever says, I want a boss who can write powerfully. No and one a, ever says in that. In the second half of the show, I'll explain why. Boom. Okay. Perfect. Boom. Thank you Teaser. very much. Guys, if you're listening, not watching, Carla Bass, 64 years old, Air Force Colonel, just fist bumped me. <laughs> um... It's so awesome. You live in Washington, D.C., of course, right? Yeah, west of it. West of Washington, D.C. Cool. Um, let's talk some business news. Shall right. we, Dolder? Yeah. What's, what's in the news today? 
what's in the news today? Gosh, there's so... Do you know what? I'm going to call this, forgive my language, Carla. God, I feel like I have to behave around you. No, don't. Okay, don't behave? Oh, no, don't. Thank God, right? Yeah, right. We have the coolest woman in the world, I think, in the room right now. Yeah. No shit. I've been to Korea. I can speak shit. You know, <laughs> seriously. Um, this is the shit show episode, Carla. You came to the shit show episode. I'm not even kidding you right now. I, I know. <laughs> you know, yeah. Boeing, shit show number one. Mm. WeWork slash SoftBank, shit show number two. Facebook, shit show number three. 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 Do you keep up with any of this stuff? I do. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I assume most. But I assume most of what you you're keeping up with less with business and more with intelligence related things, probably, right? Yep. But but I'm familiar with all the issues that you're discussing there. I mean, I I I'm not an aircraft technician, so I can't give a whole lot of opinions on on, on Boeing versus the Airbus. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and also, Boeing does a lot in terms of military contracting for the Air Force. However, even that wouldn't be... You're yeah, that, more intelligent. Yeah, that's, out, that's outside my scope. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Um, let's start with... Let's start with Boeing. Um, I, I, I don't have... I actually am starting to think Boeing may be a buy. The Boeing stock may be a buy here, believe it or not. Um, they're just getting hammered. Their stock is getting hammered. Investors are starting to get really freaked out um, a whole lot has happened in the last week or so. Um, a pilot voiced concerns about the Max, the Boeing 737 Max's system, its its software system, saying like, "Yo, th- this thing does not. It feels very sketchy." Um, and it, his voice went basically. It seems like unheard at Boeing number one. But worse, the FAA is just finding out about this man uh, voicing his concerns. FAA is like. WTF, why didn't you tell us ahead of time? And so I think Boeing is in this world where they're like, not sure what they should tell the FAA. Should they hide some stuff? Should they not hide? This is where Carla... And that actually does play into into my aspect of this. It's part of knowing the audience. Uh, if you've got bad news, recognize it's probably going to be found out sooner or later. Who is better to deliver the bad news? You? Yes. Or, or wait the media. until somebody else finds oh, it. Oh, can you imagine the media? Yep, so it's anticipating what the audiences, what the readers, in this case, uh, Congress's reaction is going to be, Ooh. and trying to neutralize that, taking the initiative yourself uh, wow. as best as possible. You the, actually talk about this or, or have opinions on this when it comes to um, writing and yeah. powerful writing and yeah, writing to it, influence? It's all part of strategizing your message for the audience. Okay, so and, what? And, and so Boeing, Boeing didn't do that. If, if they knew about, and it was the test simulator that the pilot was uh, was yes. said he he actually had recognized the the fact that the plane was doing a nosedive in the simulator. So if if Boeing knew that, then they perhaps ought to have acknowledged that um, right. instead of letting it fester and somebody else find it. Because all that does is say, okay, Boeing, why didn't you tell us? I'm Dennis Muhlenberg, the CEO. You're Carla Bass. I hire you as a consultant, and I say, Carla, w- what should I do with this? Can convince me that I don't, Carla. I don't think we should tell the FAA that we had this pilot saying this 
we could get sued in a huge way. This could damage our stock. There's too much at stake. There's too much money at stake, Carl. I don't want to reveal that this guy said it. What's the big deal? He, Hon- no one needs to know. What would you say to me, Dennis? Honesty. Dennis, honesty is the best policy. If, if you know of a vulnerability in the system of this magnitude that it already is getting this kind of a spotlight, you need to be up front with it and acknowledge it. And then because it's so old, you better explain why it was that you hadn't mentioned it sooner. But, but owning the weakness and then identifying the steps that you're taking to, um, to alleviate it, that's how you can regain the momentum Th- on this. Thank you, Carla, for your services. I, 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 we're talking billions of dollars we could lose if we reveal this. We're talking um, um, the 737 may not even be put out. We're trying to get this thing back in the sky in three months. We don't want to. I'm not convinced, Carla. I'm sorry. Why, why would I want to reveal this? Because it's going to come out somehow or other. It's going to come out. So you either meaning this guy might speak. This this guy might speak. Somebody else might know about this. Oh. But if if it comes out and and in today's world, good luck on keeping something like that secret. Then you're in double jeopardy because a you knew about it and two you didn't you didn't. Uh, confess it if you will so you're saying the, the media and, and the world will shit on me more because of the fact that i actually knew about it and so now now i'm in double jeopardy even twice as worse and, and actually worse than that because now your credibility is truly at stake if you didn't confess this if you didn't own up to this uh flaw yourself what else are you not telling the public oh no so you're saying the public's going to start to ask what what else are they hiding from us? Well, and exactly. It you're, might you're, even delay things even more permanently. Yeah, your credibility wow. is at stake. So now own, I'm own convinced. The mistake. I'm convinced. Uh, John, can you let the public know that we have a guy who told us the test simulator is damaged? Everyone, the <laughs> test simulator has malfunctioned. <laughs> we are working our best to find out what has happened. Please stay tuned. How is my communications director done, Carla? Uh, he's, he's doing fine. Good. All right. Thank you. Except, except it wasn't the test simulator itself that malfunctioned. It was an indicator oh, that, the, that the software on the aircraft. Oh, okay. Was You're fired, John. You're fired. You got, you got to get the message right. But your uh, heart was in the right your place. Your heart's in the right place. Yeah. Uh, I got an A for effort. A so. for effort. So, okay, what else? So they did fire an executive. Kevin McAllister, he was the head of commercial planes. Uh, I think that's their attempt at fixing this, is firing a dude. Who, who knows if the guy was responsible? Maybe he was. But um, their earnings were reported uh, on Wednesday. Stock plummeted. Uh, Muhlenberg, I was, man, I was going to say, I'm thinking Boeing's gotten hit so hard, maybe it's time to buy the stock. But I'm starting... I don't. I'm, here's the thing: if the market has oversold the stock, then maybe. So now my opinion, honestly, is a little bit more loosey goosey based on what you're saying, because I think what investors are starting to price in is what else is in the closet. I think that's what the stock is getting priced in is what else is in the closet. And there could be more in the closet based on their behavior. Um, yesterday, or if not, maybe this morning, another pilot came out and said he felt pressured to ensure that the Max 737 wouldn't require expensive pilot training. This guy was getting pressured by management to, to, to not necessarily require all these companies who are buying the airplane to drop millions of dollars on training. And that is not good. Nope. Um, so the, the big concern here also, as we think about this more broadly, supply chains. I mean, so many people supply parts into Boeing. Um, 
the whole industry gets impacted in a big way. So now that I think about it, Dennis Muhlenberg and Kevin McAllister, by withholding this, are also hurting like a lot of other people and their families who mm-hmm. rely on this income. Uh, and that is quite sad, I must say. Boeing, uh, you should have hired Carla Bass. I'm not going <laughs> to lie right now. <laughs> right, Carla? What do you think? Well, honesty is the best policy. Always has been. That's right, You just baby. have to frame the message right. Yeah, so you're basically saying you can, you can frame it differently than just coming out and saying it in a raw way, you can frame it in a more uh, uh, thoughtful way, mm-hmm. right? That's better than not saying it at all. Correct, correct. Yeah, the fear must be from a lot of these guys is, is well, we can't, if we, you know, if we say that, that'll damage us even more. What they don't realize is, hey, there's a way to say things. Mm-hmm. There's a way to say the truth. And it also gives you the opportunity to show some initiative on how you're going to fix it. Yes, meaning, meaning you, you now not only are controlling the story about the past, mm-hmm. you're also controlling the story about the future, and yep. it's more believable, it's more yep. credible. Yep, so you regain the momentum, you re- regain the power, and you can show the initiative with specific concrete steps that you're planning or mm. have already implemented to resolve the problem that you just surfaced. Right. Would you buy this stock, Carla, if you had, um, I don't know, let's say $25,000? Not smart enough to answer that question, sorry. It's tricky, right? Yep. It's gotten hit pretty hard, and I, I take back my opinion of buying this. I, I do think investors now are pricing in, oh, my God, what else is there? They're, they've oversold it probably. The truth is they might be right. There might be more skeletons in the closet with Boeing given, given this issue. So um, sorry, guys. I'm not ready to say buy Boeing. I need to do a little bit more homework and see what else comes out in the news this week. But I will say... I'm starting to think about, hey, when, when is the entry for Boeing because of the stock getting hit so hard? I mean, they're a $100 billion company, so um, I do think they'll, they'll continue to be around. All right, that was shit show number one. <laughs> Shall we move on to shit show number two? WeWork. Carla, you will never believe this. I've been shitting on WeWork for well over six months. Ad nauseum. Ad, ad nauseum. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the way John Dolder just said that mm-hmm. with depression laced in his voice is exactly how it felt every time I said it. Sounds over. like he's getting tired of hearing about the Yeah, you are. Right? Yeah, where are they going to go under? <laughs> oh, it sounds like <laughs> yeah. pretty Just soon. you wait. Actually, I, not necessarily. Oh. It's just been announced that SoftBank Vision Fund, these are the investors that basically fueled the WeWork drug party uh, is going to be injecting billions of dollars of capital to keep WeWork alive. You know, I love the idea of WeWork. Most people do. Have you been to a WeWork? No, um, but I almost had to, I almost had to use one. And this is, this is fairly recently. Quite honestly, I didn't, I had never heard of WeWork. And it uh, turns out there's a, a WeWork facility across the street from, from my office complex. And, uh, and I almost had to fall back on them and was delighted to find out that that option existed. Hmm. So you did visit then to see what it's oh, like? Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. Visited, had an appointment, had everything all okay, set up. And so was, was relieved for that option. What did you like most about it? Do you remember? Um, 
it was a, a, a very clean office facility, had the Wi-Fi connections, and so I could do a, it was a, a podcast for the book, as a matter of fact. Oh, okay. Um, I couldn't do that in my office building. I had to go external, and, and I didn't want to have to take the day off to do it at home. Ah, and it's, it's an hour street. and a half drive to get home, so it was right across the street. So, you know, rah, rah, we works. Okay, multiple things here, Carla, you just revealed. First of all, um, do you have a podcast for the book or no? I've done several podcast interviews. I thought you meant you would be doing a podcast as a host for the book. No, no, I haven't gotten to that part yet. Okay, so the the office would have been for... For my connecting to a host who is interviewing me on a podcast like you're doing. Perfect, understood. Mm -hmm. Second thing, you drive an hour and a half to work? Yeah, it yeah it's an, it's an hour coming in, and if I don't leave at two in the afternoon, it's an hour and a half or longer to get home because of the traffic. Wow! So that's why I'm up at three in the morning, out at four in the morning, at my desk at five in the morning. Are you for real? I'm for real, and then uh, I leave at two, hopefully. What? Anyway, I was hey, just back. checking to see if she was in frame, just making sure your shoulder wasn't blocking. Oh no, I don't care about that. Oh, so, she so, gets up at three in the morning. Three in the morning? Yeah. Jesus. Hey, no problem. I get home at three in the afternoon. The day's still half there. Oh, that's not bad. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Fair enough. So we works. Let's go back to works. <laughs> no, you, you are interesting, Carla. You are very. I mean, you're you're just you're you're an amazing human being. Mm. I would love to get up at three in the morning. Uh, many people fall asleep at three in the morning. <laughs> no, not I. I. I'm a I'm a pumpkin come seven thirty. You know, I've got no nightlife. Wow, I get that. Um, I have two kids now, and I've been feeling. That energy, I get really tired earlier because they just wear me out. Mm-hmm. My kiddos wear me out. So we work. All right. So so SoftBank will be bailing. So okay, the, just the backstory, right? There's the CEO. His name is Adam Newman, right? And um, this guy has been shady as f. I can't even say the f word with you, Carla. I have so much respect for you. I'm sorry. I just can't. Shady as f. Um, for months and months and months, he would he would buy buildings in his own name. Okay, mm-hmm. so for example, the building across the street from your offices, mm-hmm. he may he may have bought that building with his own money that he made from WeWork. Mm-hmm. He, he became he became very rich off WeWork. He would buy that building, all right, and then he'd take five, ten, fifteen floors and rent them, rent those floors to WeWork. He would be the landlord. Oh, a little conflict of interest. You think? Yeah. What do you know? Hmm. And then this guy. The best, my favorite one is this. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I know you've heard this a million times. My, but Carl's got to get up to speed. My favorite one is this. Because they were we work, mm-hmm. Adam Newman went and bought copyright, I guess IP, like intellectual property or, or trademark. He trademarked the word we for corporate purposes and then sold that to we work, the company he was CEO of. So they can use the word we in a trademark way. And then he pocketed that. Now, that one he was forced to give the money back. But <laughs> so this guy's kind of a clown. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and, uh, and so uh, they finally, when they tried to go IPO last month for 40 to $50 billion, meaning, meaning they wanted to sell the company to the public, to average people like you and me and John, maybe our pensions would buy it, so on and so forth. Um, investors were like, I smell a rat. I smell rat poop. This is not good. They actually were able to sniff this one out. Unlike Uber and Slack, mm-hmm. um, those IPOs have been in the dumps. Uh, and, and WeWork basically lost 
$39 billion in value in a matter of days. And their workers, many of their employees, who thought they were going to basically, who were working there for years hoping for the big payday, are now not going to get paid. But Adam Newman, after getting kicked out as CEO last month, I guess earlier this month, um, he's been asked to leave. He, he stepped on as CEO. And to get him to leave the board altogether, they paid him a billion dollars. Ouch. This is a non-profitable company. They're burning cash like a furnace burns coal. $2 billion a year we work is losing so this is the WeWork shit show part of the uh, episode, guys. Can you believe it? I believe it. It's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Um, I think this is all a, a, a part of the culture we're in right now, which is there's a lot of cash sloshing around. Uh, some, some, an organization in Washington, D.C. called the Federal Reserve has done nothing but try and prop up the economy with cheap cash, cheap capital. And so this is part of that kind of bubble um, that's out there as a result, unfortunately. Um, so WeWork employees are pissed. Adam Newman's out, got out for a billion. Uh, the real story here is the people who are actually funding WeWork, who kind of fueled this whole thing, they're called SoftBank. This is a man named Masayoshi San. He's a former, like, he's the second richest man in, in, in Japan. And he took... $100 billion from investors, 60% from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, the Abu Dhabi Investment Fund, or I'm sorry, Abu Dhabi, some other Abu Dhabi fund, a government fund. Uh, and so $60 billion of that money is sovereign wealth money. And I feel like I'm just droning on and on and on about this whole story. So maybe I'll just stop for a second. Does anybody give a shit about this? I think this one's your passion, but it, it, it yeah. is. I'm so, I'm so, I am so upset about this one. I must say. Yeah, you sound like you have a personal vendetta against Adam Newman. I've never. This is like a one in a billion chance thing happening, and it happened, and so many people lost money, and I guess I'm just so bitter about it. Well, the the concept was good. I wonder if part of the problem was did they did they overbuild the office space? Was that was supply and demand? was part of the problem, and then maybe um, other competitors, similar services, did that hurt WeWorks also? Exactly. That's exa- they, they, I think um, they noticed that they had a cool thing, mm-hmm. and they, they decided to basically expand into international cities mm-hmm. all over the world, and they said, yeah, that's cool. Let's keep losing $2 billion a year. You know, the reason I ask is I remember, I remember uh, right before the economy took one of the nosedives, the, the national economy, uh, there had been this, this huge surge in construction of office buildings by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of square foot all over. Houston, D.C., just huge mammoth new office buildings constructed. Is this before the last recession? I think so. It's about 10 years ago? Yep. And, yeah, then, and right. then the recession hit, and you had all of these brands spanking new office buildings sitting vacant for a very long time uh, because they overbuilt, and yeah. then the supply and demand thing hit. So I'm wondering if there was maybe a parallel between this and, and what WeWorks had done. I, I bet that's part of it. Um, but the thing is, they, they paid the landlords big, big dollars, and mm-hmm. they built out all these cool office spaces, and they kind of build themselves, they build 
B I L L E D themselves as a the new, you know part of the new tech company like Amazon and Facebook and Google, and they're they're kind of like Regis, which is another office um, supplier basically, kind of like a WeWork. They're not as cool. Mm-hmm. They don't have beer taps, um, so they tried to kind of build themselves off as that. Anyway, this Vision Fund, this is this is a they're the largest, basically this is the largest type of. VC fund, venture capital fund in the world. This $100 billion is huge. And, you know, it almost feels like, in my opinion, Masayoshi-san, the guy who runs this vision fund, is on his way down. It feels like SoftBank has been trying to do this with Uber and Slack and others. And what they do is they just keep pumping cash into these companies, making them look like they're the next biggest thing, and everyone hears about them, and there's a whole lot of hype around Uber or WeWork, but the fact is they're burning cash. They're actually not making money as a business, mm-hmm. um, but he keeps doing it, and I think their hope is, well, we'll eventually IPO the company and make our money back. We'll sell these low-quality companies to the general public, and then we'll make our money back in our investment fund. That does not feel like it's happening. It feels like people are on to their shtick. And so the SoftBank Vision Fund could be on its way down. And just when I thought it was on its way down, recently what was announced is they're opening up a SoftBank Vision Fund number two. This guy is doubling down on a turd. So, I don't know. That's the update for WeWork and SoftBank. It, the whole thing is just an inferno um, that... I clearly feel passionate about and I'm pissed about. Um, I'm probably just going to move on because I feel like I'm in a monologue right now. <laughs> I don't have much <laughs> else to say. Oh, yeah. I, you probably shouldn't because I've got, I've got months of information in my head. So there's no way yeah, I can... I get all my news from you doing this <laughs> podcast. So what's shit show number three? <laughs> shit show number three, Facebook. This is also a dumpster fire that I like to talk about every month or so. I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, I'm sure, he's, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's a wonderful... You know, some of the shitty things that have happened to Facebook, I'm sure they couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But I'm sorry, I don't trust him. The most recent thing is he's been at, he's been at Congress the last few days. Have you noticed that? Yep. Yeah, so he's been on, on the Hill testifying because the House Financial Services Committee does not trust that Zuckerberg can roll out the Libra cryptocurrency. Bitcoin has had some pretty shady associations with it, like some really horrific crimes. Have you kept up with Bitcoin or blockchain at all, Carla? Oh, I'm sorry to say we invested in it. You did? Yeah, I did. I did. Well, I did too. It depends on where and when. Well, I invested when it was going up and it has gone nonstop down for a while. So, yeah, so I take a good bit of ribbing from from my friends. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, the advice I give on the podcast for Bitcoin is the following. In the year 1999, 2000, 2001, Google was a budding new internet company. And people didn't really know what it was going to be. And so for a while, all these tech companies, including Google, went straight up. And then we had the internet bubble and it burst. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, Google was so you know, um, innovative with their search function it made sense back then just to buy a little bit of Google and just just own it for the next 20 years. And lo and behold, 
so much has happened since then. And that's exactly why we bid off on Bitcoin. And mm. there are a couple of other um, flavors of Bitcoin. I forget what they are right yeah, now. Yeah, Ether, uh, Ethereum. Yep, we've got Ethereum. Litecoin. And we've got Litecoin too. So yeah. I think it's those three. Uh, and and we put money in there recognizing that it's money that we can afford to lose. And betting on the come that in, in 10 years or maybe even 15, this might be today's Google. Or the next Google. Exactly. It, it, it's new technology. Um, um, I, I forget. You said Bitcoin. And what's the what's the underlying technology? Blockchain. Blockchain. That's yeah. where. Exactly. That's, that's the badass part of this it, whole thing. It is. And so, you know, it, it was a gamble. Just this gigantic gamble. And you know, so I'll take a lot of ribbing now. Maybe we'll be laughing on our, on our way to the bank in about 10 years. It, you'd never know, but you don't know if you don't take a chance. Boom. That's right. You got to play to win. Yep. And, and so that, that's how I feel is I tell everyone, hey, if you've got a portfolio of like, I don't know, 10 grand of stocks, mm -hmm. take 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. Maybe that's thousands a lot. I take 500 bucks and I put it in Bitcoin. And just park it in the back of your account and, and forget about it. Now, just forget about now, it. Now, Facebook and its own uh, cryptocurrency. Libra. I, I, mm. Feeling weird about it? No, I, I wouldn't go there. You wouldn't touch it. Uh -uh. So here's the thing, right? I think there's a chance that this Facebook Libra currency um, could do the same thing to the banking industry that Facebook did to the newspaper industry. Right, like there's so much clickbait out there now. Very few people actually read the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post. Um, it's really mostly Facebook, and so I think Facebook is trying to kind of make moves here and put a currency out there so that they can, in a way, get all their users to start buying, paying their bills. Um, doing all sorts of financial activity through Facebook using this cryptocurrency. Too much power. That it feels that, that that's, way, right? That's my, that's my instinct. It's just too much power. You don't think Mark Zuckerberg can be trusted with all that power? I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> well, I'm saying it because, I mean, this dude has violated our privacy in the past. This dude is taking Russian rubles yep. for you know, campaign ads on Facebook. It's already a monolith that, that I think needs to be regulated. Uh, so would I be willing to support them with Libra, you know, expanding their, their power, their capability, their uh, ability to touch all of our private lives? Uh, nah. Same nah. here. You know, in China, um, there's a company called WeChat. Yep. Okay, so that's huge in China. Like, they kind of have a monopoly. And I th my guess is the Chinese government is in control at some level of WeChat. Um, but everyone in China pays bills, buys consumer goods, all sorts of things through WeChat. Mm -hmm. That is their main kind of um, portal for the Internet. And I think Mr. Zucks is looking at WeChat as he's saying, I want to be WeChat, where we are controlling that. So that doesn't feel good. At all, you know. Um, he was assuring Congress that it'll be safe, um, and he doesn't want to, you know, destroy America, but um, it doesn't feel good to me. Besides, I think, I think customers in general prefer to use their credit cards online, mm -hmm. like I do. Mm -hmm. Like, I like the fact that I don't have to pay for it for 30 days, and, or, or longer if I choose to use the interest part of it. But also, like, you get miles using your credit card. Yep. And so... 
all of that could potentially go away if Facebook is successful with this Libra cryptocurrency, which would decimate the banking and credit card industry. Well, I don't know if we've heard from the credit card industry that you know they've they've got a they've got a vested interest in all this too. You want to know something funny? Uh, Facebook before they announced this whole Libra cryptocurrency thing, they had called up all the credit card companies like Visa, Mastercard, and some of the banks and said, "Hey, hey, can you can you um, partner with us on this Libra cryptocurrency?" And immediately, all the banks were like, and the and Visa, Mastercard, were like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll team up with you. And slowly but surely, after a month of this, and I think they thought about it and thought about it, they all started dropping out and like, wait a minute, why would we support this? Yeah. This is kind of supporting our doom. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how the situation evolves. Yes, I agree. I, I, I just, there's no, I mean, I, I hope the government does the right thing and regulates. You know what I think this is going to happen? It's going to be a, uh, I can't even use that term with you, man. Um, it, I think it's going to be a lobbyist. Um, contest that's what i think is going to be which you know which lobbyists are going to be able to uh, influence thank you influence i i I have some time i'm not gonna lie carla i'm not i know you i know you are um very intertwined with the government but i have used the word bribe before because i do believe that's kind of how lobbyists work that they're able to use money to give to congressmen and women in order to get those congressmen and women to push legislation that favors those lobbyists, despite the fact that it might not serve the entire country best. Well, that would be blatantly illegal. I mean, it's, but no, lobbying is legal, isn't it? Of course it is. Not the bribery part. I'm using that word in an exaggerative way to describe how I see lobbying. So they would never use that word. What's your, do you have an opinion on this? You, you don't think that some lobbying feels like bribery? I, you know, I'm not that familiar with what goes, what goes on in lobbying, but if you're gonna do lobbying honorably and respectfully, respectively, it all has to do with making your case, making a strong, solid case for whatever your position is, and, mm-hmm. then, and then lobbying that position. Um, but when you get into payoffs or or vacations or campaign contributions, yeah, that's you know, there's the big a whole one. set of rules that go with that too. Right. Um, but any kind of payback or or gifts, I mean, there's a whole set of rules. Yes. I'm sure that you know what you can and can't accept from from corporations if you are a sitting member of of whatever. Absolutely. Um, so you know, lobbying. To, to stay clean needs just to be able to make an influential case pros yes. and cons why you should do this take take me vote for my position right from what I've learned and read and observed is frequently um, lobbyists uh, have learned the rules so well mm-hmm. that they've learned ways to be able to contribute to people in government in a way where it's still legal mm-hmm and so then it, it just, to me, I look at some of them I'm like, this is a freaking bribe, you know? This organization or this, you know, PAC or whatever it is, giving money to this congressman or woman doesn't feel right because they're going to, their, their basic objective is to push their agenda, which may not be best for the entire country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I guess my point with that is there's, a, there's lobbyists for the banking industry and credit card industry, and there's lobbyists for Facebook. 
and let the games That's begin, right. baby. Sit back and talk, talk to your, uh, let your, your elected representative know what your particular <laughs> yes. opinion is. Send those cards and letters. Call, call them. Totally, totally. So, um, man, from a, from, a, from a stock recommendation perspective, I mean, in general, Facebook will probably have some success with this, I think. They'll probably be able to make progress with this, it feels like, to be honest with you. They are a very powerful company. They have a lot of money. Uh, however, even though they might be actually financially successful with this and gain more power by carving out some of the banking industry for themselves, I can't recommend or consciously invest in Facebook because I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I just don't feel like they're a company that represents my values. And I think, frankly, most Americans who are morally conscious, their values. So I'm anti-Facebook. As usual. Yo, I loved, loved, loved Carla's advice to Boeing. Yo, honesty is the best policy. If you don't share the truth, it's just going to get worse and people aren't going to trust you. You're going to lose more money. So, you know, behave, y'all, and get someone smart like Carla on your side. Um, that was episode 75, y'all. Make sure you catch episode 76. We get into Carla's story, uh, the most powerful part of her story. When she almost died. That's right. And it wasn't as an Air Force colonel. It was in a different environment. So make sure you check that out. Episode 76 drops on Wednesday. Uh, Peace out, y'all.